The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. And good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air. We're at 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, September 5th, a long Labor Day weekend. Thank you for spending a little time with us. My name is Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Sitting in the air chair, as they used to say in the radio biz, uh, Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. Hey, good morning, Danny. Thanks. Glad to be here. Derek, glad to spend some time with you, kind of recapping what's going on in the investment markets and things that are shaping our investment thesis. And of course, we just closed up August, and August was another positive month in the markets, seven in a row, I think, right? Right. And year to date, the S&P is up 20.4%, which is its sixth best showing since 1950. So clearly, the stock market has been a, on a very good ride. Absolutely. You know, and it starts to think about seasonality. You know, September, historically a negative month. However, when we've got strong momentum for the beginning portion of the year, usually that's a strong harbinger for September and really through end of year. That's that's absolutely correct. You know, a lot of people start to predict uh, 2022 earnings. We know earnings estimates have been too low throughout this year, uh, which is causing analysts to ratchet up their forecasts through the balance of the year and into next year. Uh, So the real wild card is, you know, we're watching the Fed to see what they're doing with regard to quantitative easing, tapering perhaps. But the most recent jobs report, in, in the view of many, is actually going to cause the Fed to, to perhaps move a little bit slower than people had thought, because even though we added 2 million jobs in June and July, the big miss we saw in non-farm payrolls on Friday suggests that the job growth is moderating as people are a little bit concerned about the spread of the Delta variant and how that can affect uh, economic growth going forward across the country. Which has really sort of pivoted our narrative away from inflation being the number one risk to people starting to talk about stagflation. So you're talking about a stagnation of jobs growth, but also starting to see that in some of the other economic data that we follow, that maybe economic growth is slowing a little bit. The pace of that is, you know, moderating a touch here and so stagnating. But yet it seems that some of the pressures from a pricing perspective that are kind of driving inflation might be more persistent than originally thought. Right. We, you know, The Fed has focused a lot on the temporary spikes in prices of things like lumber and copper, uh, the shortage of semiconductors and like causing higher prices. But generally speaking, those we do believe are somewhat transitory in the sense that they're not likely to continue to increase the rate they have up to this point. But the other more important components of inflation, namely wage growth and rents, owner equivalent rents, are starting to move higher uh, at a fairly significant level. So it is very likely we are going to see higher levels of inflation going into 2022 than we've experienced in the past 10 years. And you talked a little bit already about you know how stagflation might help position monetary policy going forward. And that's what we really are keyed in on in, in terms of driving our investment thesis. So, you know, if that means higher degrees of liquidity remain longer, so tapering of the bond buying is delayed, the next step upwards in interest rates is way out in the future instead of potentially towards the end of 2022, that reshapes our thesis around interest rates. 
So lower rates, longer, higher liquidity, longer, and you start to factor that into your assessment of valuations in the market. Right, when you look at corporate profits, we saw that corporate profits, now these are profits that are actually taxed by the IRS, so these aren't accounting fictions. Uh, corporate profits in Q2 were up 9% from Q1, so when you apply that corporate profits trajectory to the current level of interest rates, the market is actually cheaper than it was at the beginning of the year, primarily because analysts underestimated how quickly profits would recover post-pandemic. And we're at higher levels now than we were pre-pandemic also in corporate profits. And so sometimes I get that question that says, geez, you know, this market's up so much and it seems like it's, you know, really up on a house of cards. But when you look at profits, and like you said, these are real profits, that's not actually the case. No, it isn't. Uh, corporate profits have continued to surprise on the upside. Analysts have been raising estimates throughout the year. Uh, they're starting to issue 2022 forecasts, which were much more optimistic than they were just a few months ago. So the earnings profile, of the S&P 500, has improved dramatically. And as a result, we have basically had not had a 5% correction in the S&P for over 200 days. So it's something to prepare for, right? To think about that in terms of what might a correction look like. But Corrections are not necessarily those things that cause you to take action. No, they're not. But they are things that cause you to tweak the portfolio a little bit at the margin. Because if with the S&P, as I mentioned, up 20% year to date, your equity allocation is, is definitely well above what it was at the beginning of the year. And if you do not take action, you're essentially allowing your, your target risk to, to migrate up counter to what your original plan was. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for the update. Webinar that's coming up on September 20th. 22nd, Women in Wealth Preparing for the Unexpected. You can do great planning, but the unexpected happens. We'll have a preview of that next. Stick around. It's coming up. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show right here at 92.5 Fox News. I am Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. The YMCA's of Southwest Florida is hosting the fourth annual Hank Hostetler Memorial Golf Tournament fundraiser on Friday, September 10th at the Vasari Country Club in North Naples, Bonita Springs. Funds raised will help provide scholarships to help ensure children have a safe, enriching, and fun environment while participating in various YMCA programs. The need is more critical than ever as they anticipate an increased need for scholarship assistance. More details at ymcaswfl.org events. One team, one plan, one fee. Money Talk is straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? The relationship between Annex and our clients is unique. Our goal is to help them reach and maintain the kind of retirement they desire, and we do that through the initial phase of the portfolio review, subsequent meetings to put us on the same page, ongoing communication when it comes to investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. It's a logical and planned relationship. But what happens when the unexpected happens? I can tell you this, we don't wait until the next scheduled meeting, that's for sure. Our teams spring into action when a client calls. We understand that the unexpected is just as real as the expected. Joining me to talk about it, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Let's talk about that unexpected. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, thank you for having me. So when the unexpected hits can be downright awful. 
Right. For anyone, it can be. But yes, in particular, we're focusing on how this can take many forms. And, you know, we often say in financial planning, life isn't linear, neither are financial plans. You know, life's always changing, throwing us those curveballs. So the unexpected could look like something we jump to the devastating death, divorce, disability. It could also be the sudden loss of a job, or it could be having a sudden expansion in your family, taking on an extra family member, maybe a birth, but it could also be taking care of a parent. Right. Oftentimes what we're talking about is an event that triggers strong emotion. And when strong emotion happens, it's harder to make a definitive decision. You taught me a couple of years ago, and I used to think it was only death, right? But it's death, divorce, and disability. But then you listed a bunch of other things. In the last year and a half, we've certainly seen lots of unexpected pop out of nowhere. You know, even a transition to working from home or a change of job environment can be adaptive, and you have to adapt behaviorally. So right or wrong, it's often the husband takes that bigger role in financial matters. and it, it, Not always, but they kind of make it their thing to have high financial awareness. Statistically, we know this is true. So with a couple, we'll often see a separation of financial duties that might look like one spouse, statistically, usually the man taking care of the investments and the woman taking care of, for example, the household budgeting. Mm -hmm. At least in my marriage, that's kind of the way it works. We're a partnership. There would be a huge gap if either of us suffered some sort of transition. Well, think about that for a moment. So it's the reverse in my household. I do the investments and my husband takes care of the household budgeting. But if something were to happen to him, I'd have to know how to access all that online bill paying, what he's actually doing. He's got a separate account. You can see where I'm going with this. In a time of high emotion, the last thing you need is to feel ill-prepared. And then we're talking about transitions, and transitions are bumpy for everybody. And we need to point out that not everybody's married, right? Unexpected events don't always include death. No, they do not. Uh, Again, they can include a transition in our life or our career. They could be a happy transition as well. And, you know, here's the thing. Men and women think and process differently, and that's okay. Women need a more collaborative approach traditionally. And during a transition, I always say it's frankly absolutely okay to bring along another set of eyes or ears to your advisor, uh, to any financial professional, help you make those decisions during a difficult time, be another set of eyes and ears. And when you're breaking down behaviorally what happens during a transition, any transition, of course, again, that strong emotion can be engaged. We tend to think, see, process a little differently. You've done this for a long time, and I'm sure you've been sitting across from a client who used to be two and is now one. Right. And you know that the person who's not there, the last thing that they would have wanted is to hand somebody a burden. Absolutely right. So the best thing is to be on the forefront of it, just to try to be as prepared as we can. You know, again, a recent transition I went through, and a lot of people do, is becoming an empty nester. And that does come with a financial burden, an emotional, a social. It's just all the aspects change and they're very different. And so again, what we want to do is get our facts in a row. Don't feel rushed. Don't let people push you when you're going through any kind of emotional transition. Surround yourself with people who can assist you and who you can trust during that time. But let's try to get our ducks in a row before that job change, retirement, change of family status, um, or having one fly the nest. It's better than having to triage at the last moment. However, even when we feel prepared, when emotions engaged again, we can feel like we're scrambling. So if it sounds a little bewildering, we actually have a workshop coming up specifically designed to help this issue. Yes, it's a webinar. Annex is women 
and Wealth Group is proudly presenting Women's Guide to Preparing for the Unexpected in Webinar Format on September 22nd at 5 p.m. You can register at AnnexWealth.com under the Events tab. You know, I hear September 22nd. It seems like it's far in the future, but it's not. It's September <sighs> already. It's already back to school. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA. Thanks for the information. Hey, thanks for having me. Quick break, but we'll be back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. You finally reached your savings goal, but how much will you really spend in retirement? Basic question, but more than one-third of retirees underestimated their spending. And you know taxes will impact what you've set aside. You're smart enough to know you don't have all the answers. You're also smart enough to know where to get help. It's time to put things in order with a fee-only fiduciary. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management. Need help? Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Now back to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Hot topic for high-income individuals and couples is whether to convert a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. Plenty of guidance available to help identify where a Roth conversion makes sense. But there are also some scenarios where it doesn't. Brian Fiore, Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management Naples, here to talk about it. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Before we talk about the why not to, let's cover exactly what a Roth conversion does. Yeah, sure. I think most of our listeners probably have heard of these sorts of things, but IRA was set up where you can have tax-deferred gross and things like that. And then when you do take it out and use it later in life, and we the IRS makes you take it out with when you turn 72 now with the required minimum distributions, it's taxable as income. So throughout your life, you can get money into an IRA by directly depositing, I mean, into a Roth IRA by directly depositing in that if you're able to, or you can convert regular IRA assets into Roth IRA assets. It's not free though. So at the time you convert, you have consider that amount of value as income for the year. If you do a little math or planning, you know, you convert $50,000 into a Roth IRA, then, and if you pay 24% tax on it, give or take, then you have to make a 24% return in the future to make up for that. And then later on, unless you take it out or use it, it's not taxed. So just a little bit of math and longevity, you usually can do that. Also, it's a little bit, uh, has benefits for your heirs. If you want to be most effective for them, they can receive it and not have to pay income tax when they use it in their life versus a regular IRA, um, when they take income out of the IRA that they inherit, they have to use that, pay that, or consider that income on their tax return. Switching gears, let's cover why you might not want to do a Roth conversion. And the first is if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in future years. It goes back to the math probably and also where you live. And in Florida, we don't have a state income tax, but maybe you are in another, you live in two states and one state, your primary residence like New Jersey or some other place does have a state income tax and also um, you plan to move to Florida in the future. So if your tax bracket won't include a state income tax in the future, or in general, you're going to have a lower tax bracket when you're retired than when you're working or your current situation, then it may not make sense to pay a higher taxes now on, on the conversions because the hurdle rate becomes bigger and bigger um, in the future for you to overcome that. So a little bit of math and longevity, how long you might be able to leave the assets in the Roth and what expected growth rate you think you'll be able to get and can you overcome the hurdle or not. Why you might not want to do a Roth conversion, the second reason is that you don't have enough cash or savings to pay that conversion tax. Right. So if you 
do a conversion from IRA assets to Roth IRA. The best efficient way to do that is to move the 50,000 over and out of your regular money, non-IRA money, you're going to pay your taxes that extra, you know, 24% on the 50,000 or 32% or whatever your bracket is on that 50,000 and not have to take more money out of your IRA to pay the taxes because then you're actually drawing more out of your IRA and, and paying more taxes for a little lesser benefit if you have to do it that way. It definitely makes sense to be able to afford, you know, do the math. How much can you afford to pay in your tax return and your regular funds, taxable funds, not have to draw on the IRA to pay the tax return bill that year. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management, Naples, why you might not want to do a Roth conversion. The third reason is you might need that money within five years or less. Uh, there are a couple rules for IRAs when you put money in. There are restrictions on when it's penalty-free and tax-free to take it out. So when you convert money to an IRA, a five-year clock starts for anyone under age of 59 and a half. Five-year clock starts where you're not allowed to take out anything earned from those funds or there's penalties involved. And if you're under 59 and a half, anything you take out has a 10% early withdrawal penalty as well. And then there's also tax-free distributions on your earnings once you meet the two rules of 59 and a half or five, you keep it in the Roth IRA for five years or more. So those two things come into play and that's part of the planning of if it's beneficial to you and when you might need the money and, and how to plan for those. Annex Wealth Management Show 92.5 Fox News. We're discussing the reasons you might not want to do a Roth conversion. And the fourth is if you plan to leave that IRA to a charity. Yeah, one of the benefits of having regular IRA assets, if you are a gifter, if you give the charity starting at 70 and a half or even when you pass away, you can do that, no tax implication to yourself if you give assets to a, to a charity from your IRA up to a certain amount per year. If you convert everything to a Roth, you paid all the taxes yourself, and it's in a Roth IRA, and now when you take money out of your Roth IRA and, and the parameters that we discussed just the last question, then there's no income or penalties. So you would then not get a benefit of moving the Roth IRA money to charity. It doesn't give you a, a tax benefit. Maybe it gives you a good benefit you know, for participating and being productive in the society. But if you also want the mathematical tax benefit, having some IRA assets to directly donate to charity, either on your passing or after your 70 and a half, called Qualified Charitable Distributions, um, is a benefit. Skip that Roth conversion, going through the reasons you might consider it. The fifth, if your beneficiary will have a lower tax bracket than yours. Down the line, you can plan as much as you like. And if the ultimate goal is to maximize how you, how your beneficiaries are going to use the assets, then you can think about that as well. If your beneficiary of your IRAs are, is not your spouse and it's your it's someone else, then they have a 10-year rule that they right now that they have to distribute the assets they inherit within 10 years. And if they are inheriting a regular IRA, then that income, that distribution they take or that income they take from their IRA is taxable. They inherit a Roth IRA and you do the work for them and pay the taxes for them and get it in a Roth when they take that money within the first 10 years or up to 10 years it's not taxable. So that's the choice you have as the owner and how much you want to help out your beneficiary. I talked to quite a few people about this and it becomes very um, specific to their goals and needs and what they understand. So a lot of folks actually don't understand that getting it all to a Roth isn't the best option often because you do have these other things we talked about, charitable distribution from your IRA and you know, letting your kids plan and they can come up with a plan or whoever the beneficiaries are to, to receive the assets uh, 
effectively, efficiently. So it isn't a burden. It shouldn't be a burden that you try to get everything in such a tax efficient manner that becomes a problem on your end. And that's where we help with these sorts of things. And we're ready with investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. We do it as a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference, everybody. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for joining us this morning. Quick break. We're going to be back. Annex Wealth Management Show for Sunday the 5th. Coming right back on 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters? Living your best life. There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. It's Sunday, September 5th. Thanks for spending a little time with us on the long Labor Day weekend. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Falski, our chief investment officer, is here. Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Didn't bring in a crystal ball, but binocular. So you're looking ahead. What are you looking at? Yeah, we're, you know, of course, we've got a long weekend. Not only was Friday a low-volume day, but, of course, Monday, tomorrow uh, is a non-trading day. But one of the things that really got my attention was a lot of conversation about the jobs report on Friday morning led a number of analysts to start talking about stagflation. And I thought, boy, we haven't heard that term since the 1970s. Remember, stagflation, a stagnant economy, one that has slow growth while having inflation. And we haven't seen that again since the 1970s when we had the oil embargo. But right now, let's pull that apart. Let's talk about high unemployment versus inflation. And could we have both of those at the same time? Right. I mean, you know, the when I think about the, the supply side of the economy, we're currently seeing, you know, a lot of uncertainty about supply chain bottlenecks and the like. So the ability to supply goods has been limited, which has caused, have caused prices to, to increase at the same time that growth is peaking. So as, as growth begins to moderate from these 6% GDP levels that we saw in the first and second quarter to what the Atlanta Fed is now looking for, 5% in the third quarter, it will look like stagflation, at least in terms of the numbers. The key is whether these inflationary pressures are transitory or persistent. If rental prices continue to move higher and wages continue to move higher, then we very well will have higher levels of inflation with slowing growth, which arguably meets that definition. But I do think, Derek, that we're not going to get back uh, to where we were 30, 40 years ago. And one of the things that we do absolutely have to look at when you talk about rising prices, a lot of these supply chain problems that we're having, we saw it this past week when Ford CEO said it's the biggest supply chain issue that we've had in his career. And that's not just Ford. Uh, Toyota has reduced their production by 50%. We've heard similar stories from General Motors. Uh, So there is a a supply chain bottleneck there. In addition, the ports have been been suffering that same sort of thing. They've had port port closures, which have slowed the delivery of materials. Iron ore is on back order, for example. And this is as we're contemplating an infrastructure bill. So a lot of these things are going to probably work themselves out over time. 
Uh, but clearly, the, the trend of the relationship with China has altered globalization, which had been a disinflationary force for the United States for a long period of time. And that's something we have to pay attention to as we think about the allocation of our portfolios. You know, I, unfortunately, you and I remember the late 1970s. And one of the ways that they got out from underneath that was the restriction of the money supply. That is not what's happening right now. No, in fact, the, the Fed has gone all in. And, and we're talking about tapering, which essentially is just reducing the level of accommodation from, from a very high level to a still high level, whether it's 120 and 40 going to 120 or 110. And let me just interrupt, $120 billion per month that the Fed is going in and buying bonds, $80 billion in treasuries and $40 billion in other. Do they restrict that? Do they pull that back? That's the tapering. Right. And, and so in that environment where we have an accommodative Fed, we've got fiscal stimulus on the docket. And we have an economy that's growing, for not maybe not at 6%, but down to 5 That's still a very good level of growth. And one of the mistakes I think some investors are making is they're equating peak growth in terms of earnings and GDP with peak stock market prices. And history has not bared that out. That's right. And the last thing I would say, however, is you know most of us recognize that in the tools that we had to combat those issues 40 years ago still exist. So hopefully that we, we have learned from that. One of the reasons that we talk about all of these issues, Derek, as you well know, is that when we look at portfolios, some people have had a set it and forget it investment philosophy. And that's just not working right now. There are too many moving parts, which is the reason why when we talk about it on this radio show, that if you're listening to this and you're not sure what's in your portfolio why it's there, how it got there, and how much you're paying for it, there's a way to get a second set of eyes on that, which would really help you going forward. You can head to the website. It's AnnexWealth.com, A-N-N-E-X Wealth.com. We're always open there. Read our story. Read the Know the Difference checklist. But the most important thing is click that Get Started button. It begins a very simple exchange of information, mostly contact information, and we promise we're not going to bug you. But we need to start that conversation about looking at your portfolio and analyzing it and seeing if it's a right fit. Know the difference. It's one team, one plan, and one fee for investment and retirement planning, tax planning. How important is that going to be coming up? Very. And estate planning as well. One plan, it's built for you and you alone and includes every single aspect of our team. One fee, the most important part, we're a fee-only fiduciary. Hope you have a great long weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.